0: Hello and welcome to the WRT Sports Podcast for Sportswomen, bringing you insight and analysis on major events unfolding and shining a spotlight on the champions of women's sport on and off the field of play. I'm Jackie Hurley and we're joined in studio by Olympic silver medalist Annalise Murphy. Welcome to studio.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So how's the forum? It's obviously been uh, a stressful few weeks for you, I'd imagine.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. I came home from Japan having done the Olympic test event in the 49er FX And even though there were a lot of positives to take from it, I also sort of had this thought in my head that we weren't going to get good enough in the next year to be challenging for a medal next year. So I had to make a really hard decision that um, that I was going to stop sailing the 49er and move back to the Laser Radial.
0: When did the thoughts start kind of circulating in your head that this wasn't working out? Because, I mean, people will be familiar with your story. You were in the Laser, a single boat. You moved into the 49er FX, which is a a two-seater boat with Katie Tingle, your friend. When
1: did it become apparent for you that this wasn't going to work? It's been something that's been in the back of my mind. Um, I always knew that we had a very tight timeline. We're racing against girls that have been... Most of the, the top girls have been in the boat since it became an Olympic class seven years ago and then some have been in for at least the last three years. So we'd been in the boat for less than a year and in the back of my mind I just, I knew that our progress wasn't fast enough and it wasn't, that we we couldn't really do any more as well. But then also I tried not to think about it too much because I wanted to give it everything and know that, you know, I hadn't sort of only half tried. Um, So I just put everything into it up until sort of I got home from Japan, and then that was when I made the decision.
0: And it's obviously not you invo- It's not just you involved either. I mean, you and Katie, I, I believe, are like lifelong friends as well. So obviously, this is uh, something that both of you went into together, thinking this was going to work.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, I asked Katie to come and sail with me, and you know, she was fantastic. Worked really hard. Uh, we get on fantastically we were sailing well but in the back of my mind I don't just want to go to a third Olympics to get there and that's a really tough tough situation to be in because I also really wanted to get to the Olympics to get Katie to the Olympics but it's um that it kind of came down to is that next year was that what I'm going to be happy with being at the games, knowing that I could be fighting for a medal in the laser and doing well in the 49er for how much time we've been in the boat, but not being in a position to fight for a medal. And that was kind of what it came down to.
0: When you say well, I mean, like in your head,
1: what was a realistic expectation for you guys in the 49er? I think if everything went perfectly over the next year and first of all, we qualified for the Olympics, which is going to be hard anyway, then again, you know, if we had a great week, probably could have made it into the top 10, which is having only sailed the boat for two years is a fantastic result and, you know, something to be happy with. But it's um, it's not like this is my first Olympics and I want to get experience at the Olympics to go on to the next Olympics to try and win a medal. I've uh, I've had two really good Olympic games and I want to be a medal challenger and it's kind of something that I've, you know, had to realize I guess the hard way that I thought maybe I'd be happy with yeah. just, you know, doing my best, but um I kind of want more than that. How did you break it to Katie then? Um I just talked to her about it. She was obviously really disappointed. Um if you know, she want is loving racing against you know the best in the world and would really want to go to the Olympics. And it's probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do Is um, and I hate letting people down. Mm. And it, um, it's probably pretty selfish of me as well. But unfortunately, I think sort of high performance sport, you kind of have to be selfish and ruthless sometimes.
0: I think people understand that though, Annalise. You know, I think people look at you and they go fourth in London, silver medalist in Rio. You are an elite performer and a genuine medal contender for Ireland. I don't think anybody is going to criticise you for a decision when you put yourself first as an elite sports person. I think it's 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 easy to hear in your voice the sympathy that you have because, you know, this is a friendship here as well. This is not just about elite sailing. It's also about your relationship with somebody who put their trust in you to try something as well. I, I can imagine how difficult that is.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh yeah, I guess that's exa- exactly what you say there, like, you know, Katie put her trust in me to try and make a goal of getting to the Olympics. And then I guess I broke that trust by um, by by not finishing that. And uh, it's something that I'm I'm sure I'll, you know, regret having to do this, but I think it is for the best thing for me going forwards if I want to try and perform at another Olympics.
0: And before we talk about what happens next for you, I mean what happens next for Katie? Does she just kind of go back to normal life now or, or what does it look like for her now?
1: Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not too sure. She, um, she'd always planned to take a, a year out from teaching. She was a primary school teaching even before I'd asked her to sail with me. So then when she took her year out instead of uh, you know going off traveling or whatever she came sailing for a year um, so I hope that she still does that or um, yeah she's got lots of different interests I hope that she takes up sort of one of the ideas that she has and actually goes with it.
0: Okay and, and what about for you then look I mean I suppose you've you've decided now that you are going to go back into the laser the boat is qualified and now the, the process for people to understand is there's obviously
1: a couple of you going for that boat now So so what happens? There's um, a three-event trials, and uh, there's uh, sort of three other girls sailing the radial, Eve um, and Ashling that are they've been pretty much full-time for the last few years, and then Eve who's a, a younger sailor. I don't know if she's going to compete in the trials or not, but um, there's yeah four of us going for that one spot. But it's just a simple case of whoever performs the best over the three trials, which is the World Championships next year and then two world cup events and it's um it's easy for I'm actually not that worried about it because I just want to go and you know perform at my best level and if that's good enough to win the trials then it's good enough to go to the olympics but I'm in a very different mindset to what I was sort of 4 years ago when I had to do a trials mm-hmm. and I felt annoyed and sort of nearly cheated by the fact that why do I have to do a trials? I, feel like I, I, felt, I felt that it was kind of unfair that I was doing a trials um, considering all the work I'd put in for seven years to try and get to Rio to win a medal and then I was being made to do a trials. Um, so I had a really bad time doing this three event trials in sort of the end of 2015, start of 2016. But uh, this time around, I've got a very different sort of mindset of I just need to prove that I'm the best person to be sent. And it's makes it actually, you know, it's not really anything to worry about. It's just if I'm the best person, I'm the best person. And if one of the other girls, you know, does really well over the three events, then they're the best person to go to the Olympics.
0: And I suppose from Irish sailing's point of view, I mean, they're looking at Aoife Hopkins and and Keller are training every day and they're thinking, look, these girls are full time here. They deserve a shot at it as well. So, I mean, perspective probably gives you that, that you realise now, look, whoever is the best sailor deserves to be representing Ireland. And you obviously... Feel very differently now than you did four years ago.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's, I think, actually, uh, sort of me getting back into the laser, it's only going to push them to want to be better. It gives them an extra person to train with, someone who basically (laughs) wants to win everything all the time. So it's going to mean that our group's going to be very competitive and we'll all make each other better. And then, yeah, if at the end of the day I'm not good enough, that's just fantastic for Aisling or Aoife, it means that, you know, they are good enough and then they have a really good chance of doing well at the Olympics.
0: Is there so. a part of them that's kind of raging when they see you coming back through the door? They're like, geez, one of us was going to get to go to the Olympics and now here comes Annalise Murphy back, which, you know, realistically for them, they're probably thinking it means now maybe she's going to the Olympics and, and we're not.
1: Yeah, I think... And that was something that I was also feeling bad about initially when I was thinking about making the decision to move back to the laser. I was like, I'm not only going to let down Katie, I'm also going to let down Aoife and And they're not going to, you know, maybe one of them won't get to go to the Olympics either because of my decision making. But it's at the end of the day, I then had to come back to it. I was like, this is to go to the Olympics. This is to try and, you know, it's once every four years, be the best in the world it's not you know it's not a like i don't know (laughs) it's not just a a, you know something a small event this Mm. is it's the best of the best get to go and it's whoever's the best person at the you know at the end of the day and i think it's whoever's going to perform the best so it's not a it is and it is kind of ruthless, you know, You and you have to be like that if you want to do well at it.
0: I think it kind of has to be, though, Annalise. I mean, as you said, like you're sailing all your life for the for this reason. You know, yeah. your dream was to go to the Olympics. You've done that twice. There's another dream in front of you to go back again and, and win a medal. I mean, I presume that's the that's yeah. the goal here. I, I think you kind of have to be ruthless. Yeah. So I, I like there's a part of me that thinks you know, the difficulty for you is the deci- making the decision, I would say.
1: But now once you're back in the boat, is it easier now that you're actually just sailing again? It's it is easier and it's also it's easier by making the decision to get back in the laser. It was my decision that I was going to go to the Olympics to try and win a gold medal. And that was all that really mattered. While while I was in the forty er it was I'm just trying to get to the Olympics And so making that decision, it's been, I think, a huge relief. It was also probably part of the reason why I moved into the 49er was, first of all, I wanted a break. I'd been sailing the laser since I was 13 years old and I just needed to do something else for a while. But also there was so much expectation and pressure on me. Everyone just was like, oh, well, you finished fourth in London and then second in Rio. So you're obviously just going to get gold in in Tokyo and I just couldn't cope with that pressure at all I was thinking that's you know I I don't want to have to deal with that and getting to sail another boat got me completely away from that pressure and doing badly or averagely at events I was able to just kind of laugh off the you know questions oh how do you you know how are you getting on at the moment it's like well I'm still learning how to sail the boat Uh, can't actually get around the course without capsizing so it's um I'm pretty happy not to finish last well it's not uh, but it wasn't actually where I kind of wanted to be and kind of took me basically a very roundabout way to realize that I just have to embrace the the pressure of being a potential you know gold medalist and you know enjoy that rather than be afraid of it
0: I think it's something that we take for granted with sports people that you're just okay with that. You know, that you go from being, you know, a normal sailor around Dunleary, where everyone down there knows who you are, to the whole country knowing who you are. You come home with an Olympic medal around your neck. And I think we just expect that you're going to be fine with your life changing. But it seems to me that that you weren't fine with that. You know, that you you found the whole thing really hard, you know, because it it is hard. It's life changing, isn't it? Yeah
1: um it's it wasn't coming home between London and Rio wasn't that was that was fairly easy, and I just got on with things, but getting home from Rio I found that extremely hard, and yeah, there's like lots of different things I found hard i'd in Rio it was a light wind venue, and everyone had spent basically four years telling me how I wasn't gonna win a medal there because it was a light wind venue but um I basically. Extremely hungry for six months, and I um so managed to be at a like good, really good weight to, to race at in Rio. Tell people then, about how you got to that because I always
0: think this is fascinating what you and your family went through for you to go to Rio and win that medal.
1: Um, well, oh, they were just kind of annoying about it, but uh, <laughs> I am um, I just basically been working with lots of like nutritionists and dietitians just like trying to help me out, and I just I guess, like my body's natural weight, it wanted to stay there and it did not want to be any skinnier than that. Um, so I ended up doing like a, a high fat, low carb diet, which wasn't actually that much fun for the whole way up to Rio. But it did work. And But your whole family did it as well? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but they just like jumped on the bandwagon. <laughs> but um, But then like the thing was after the Olympics... I then associated being thin with being successful in my head and I found that really hard to get over because then when I just started eating normally again I started gaining weight because you're not obviously meant to be you know super low body fat (laughs) the whole time and then I but in my mind I was thinking oh well people aren't going to think that which is completely stupid as well. But people aren't going to think that I'm, you know, the successful athlete anymore because I'm not, uh I'm not the right, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't look the same as I did in Rio. But body and, image
0: is a funny thing as well, though, isn't it? Yeah. Because particularly for women, it's quite dangerous because we can fall into those traps thinking this is who I am. This is sh- who I should be. But, you yeah. know, it's 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 identifying that.
1: Yeah. and But it, it basically took me a few years to actually get over this and realize that my achievement in Rio, it wasn't because I was skinny, it was because I sailed well. And it was um, it's a it's a weird, but it's a it's a funny thing to be in. And I think that was something that I found really hard after the Olympics.
0: Yeah. And then even just going back to that when you come home. And I mean, there's all kinds of commitments as well that come with that, you know, sponsorship commitments mm-hmm. and lots of people want a piece of you. And like the demands are just higher,
1: I think, when when somebody in Ireland is successful. Yeah, I, um, I think I probably didn't do, I did do a lot, but not, I wasn't wasn't all the time, but I, what I found hard was that I'd be going and going into schools and, you know, re- like really great stuff, but then I'd also just go home and watch Netflix because I didn't know what else to do with myself, and then people kept on coming up and going, you're so great, and done is watch netflix today i've literally done nothing with myself for the last two weeks so it was uh it was a weird few months between the olympics and christmas
0: and when like when you make the decision this isn't what i want anymore like when you're thinking is it just that you're not enjoying the laser and you're bored like is
1: is that a part of it um it's just really brutal laser sailing is really hard which I'm discovering very quickly again in the last few weeks. Um it's physically really hard. It's you're tired all the time. Your legs hurt, your back hurts, it's uh you don't go very fast, it's just hard. And that's like the the big difference between 49er sailing. You go fast, but there isn't that much effort required to make the boat go fast. It just it just wants to go fast. Well, the laser wants to go slow and you have to make it go less slow (laughs) and um, yeah I just it was just yeah I just needed to do something else for a while
0: whenever you went home and like obviously people might be familiar your mom sailed in the Olympics your dad was a renowned sailor as well you know Finn Claudine like your whole family are into this so Mm -hmm. when you go home to them and you say look I know I've won a silver medal but I kind of want to try something different are they understanding are they kind of saying yeah I could see this coming or are they trying to, to tell you stay with it go to Tokyo
1: um, they were pretty supportive of me changing into the 49er but then they also they were good, good people to discuss what is going to be best you know and they were like if you're happy to go to Tokyo to you know to get there and try and get a good result that's you know that's fantastic but if you don't want that you know you do have to get back into the laser which and again it is sport so you know anything can happen it you can go and be the best prepared and still not uh, still not get a medal but it's the the sort of the possibilities and likelihood of you know in the laser maybe I'll come last but I also know that I can maybe win an olympic gold medal well in the 49er it was just that we ran out of time to improve enough it was uh, it was going to be too difficult in the time we had left
0: mm. as well as the 49er you did some other stuff as well like in between this olympic cycle you also did the Volvo Ocean race i mean like that must have been an unbelievable experience
1: yeah um it was a uh, very hard <laughs> uh, very challenging it was uh, amazing like i'm able to look back on it now and like i'm like so privileged to have got the opportunity to to do the race and see the world the way I did. And I didn't like, I found a lot of it hard. It is hard. I just, I really like sleeping. And What are the conditions
0: like on that? Like, I mean, tell me a bit about the race for people who have never heard of it or seen it. Like, Mm -hmm.
1: what are you doing? It's basically just, you're in a 65 foot carbon fiber racing boat. And, there's um you share a bunk bed with the person who's on the opposite watch to you or bunk bed is a loose term, a cot. I don't know what you'd call it. Um, But anyway, so and you a do cot. you do four hours on four hours off for however long the leg takes. They're on average. They're about three weeks long. And when you're on your four hours off, are you sleeping? Um, Yeah, most of that's when you eat, you cook your food, which is you boil water and you make freeze dried food delicious. Oh. They have between a 10 and 15 minute cook time. You know, once you pour the boiling water in you have to wait or else it'll make you sick if you eat it when it's not rehydrated properly. Good to know. Um, yeah it's I hated freeze dried food. That'll um, make you skinny when you come back I'd
0: say that kind ah. of food. God.
1: Yeah I know but they're pretty calorific. They're like 1200 calories a meal so. Right. Yeah. It's um, it's basically designed for like you know to get as many calories into as possible. Okay. Um, But like yeah, the race was, yeah, four hours on, four hours off. You got woken up quite often in your four hours off if they wanted to do, if you wanted to do a manoeuvre or a sail change. Everyone had to get up, get their gear back on. Um, you're wet the whole time. The boats are really wet because they just, instead of like going over waves, they just plough through them. So you're just soaking wet the whole time. And I've kind of found that you're never really the perfect temperature. You're either so cold you thought your hands were gonna fall off or so hot you couldn't sleep it was you're not know. really selling this just so you know yeah oh, no I'm not trying to sell <laughs> it how long did it take uh, the race is nine months but it's uh it was 11 different cities around the world that we stopped in and um it was yeah it was great like so many life skills and I think like it taught me loads of things like just to be like really patient with people and also be really good at letting things go because you just kind of had to be. Because if you just got like upset when someone was mean to you, you just had to be upset by yourself for three weeks. And I did that for one leg and realised, I was like, I can't do that again. So um, just like learned how to deal with them. Um, you know, you're also in a very confined space with a lot of people, but everyone's still just trying to survive. So it's, you know... It's not like you're having banter the entire time. It's on a lovely time. Like, there was some times it'd be quite lonely because you wouldn't actually be talking to the other people that much because all you're trying to do is just survive every day, just eat, try and get as much sleep as possible, try and stay warm when you're on watch up on deck. And it was just, uh, but it was cool. Yeah, but unbelievable yeah, life tough. experience. And as yeah. you say perspective from that kind of thing because you
0: come back and all of a sudden your whole world has kind of changed you've seen it you've survival skills all that and I guess to bring it back to the racing
1: your whole view of it must have changed completely after an experience like that um, It made me realise how much I enjoy dinghy racing I think like I didn't really enjoy racing for three weeks at a time I found that pretty hard just uh you know, we'd get every you know, getting updates of where the other boats were and things, and or sometimes we'd be doing the same thing for six days in a row. It's like six days of exactly the same stuff. Just you'd go down to sleep, you'd come back up. It's like, so what's going on now? Well, still the same as before, <laughs> <laughs> and um, that made me realize like how much I actually enjoy sort of dinghy racing, short course sort of tactics and that's tactics and strategy is actually kind of what I kind of enjoy the most because when you can sort of outsmart other sailors that's a really good feeling that's uh, you know that's better than anything else
0: and if you think about it I mean that's how you won your medal like that's that's what stands to you those tactics that you know that sort of game if you want to call it that you played you know even to put yourself into the medal position in Rio like that's why you're so successful
1: yeah it was sort of having really good strategy and tactics and then fully believing in them. And it's something that's really hard to do is to, I think lots of people probably think they know the right thing to do, but they're afraid to fully commit to it. And that was in Rio. I fully committed to every single sort of thing that I thought was, you know, if I thought this was the right thing to do, I was just going to go and do it. And even when it turned out to be the wrong thing, it actually, because I just sort of just committed so much to to doing it, it ended up not working out so badly for me. So I think that's, um, it's kind of like something that, you know, an important thing that I learned is how important it is to, you know, when you're under pressure is to, you know, go with your first instinct because that's probably the right thing to do.
0: How much of that is shaped by what happened in London, you know, on those final days when your decision making, as you said, is, is kind of the thing that lets you down and and, and let that medal slip away, you know, yeah. four years on then, those are the crucial decisions that win you a medal.
1: Yeah, I um, I had very, like, in a way I was so lucky to have that experience in London because I probably could have very easily won a medal in London and then I don't think I would have been able to have the right attitude to win a medal in Rio or maybe I would have but um it was like going into the last few days in Rio I knew like what not to do from being in that situation in London and I also just knew I had an advantage over the other girls because in my mind I was like I've I finished fourth and I know what not to do to finish fourth again and they don't know how to do this so this is how I'm going to beat them.
0: And is it that you know, I know the darkness and I'm not letting that happen again?
1: Um, I think it was more, I actually went out not afraid of finishing fourth because I went out on that last day in London and I was terrified I was going to finish fourth. Like that was all I could think about was how terrible is it going to be if I finish fourth? Really? And that's like the worst possible. (laughs) Like I was definitely going to finish fourth going out with that. And uh well, I went out on the last day in Rio and I, in my mind, I knew I was like, I can finish fourth and if I do, that's fine, but it's not going to be because I've been afraid of it. It's going to be because the three other pe- people sail better th- you know, other people sail better than me and, but I'm not going to go out and be afraid to attack this race and I wasn't. I went out and I enjoyed the race and I made a few mistakes, but Overall, I, you know, managed to kind of hang in there and that's um, and it was like a much nicer place to be in, you know, going out with sort of just seeing the sort of opportunity I had rather than fearing what could happen. Mm.
0: Is that sports psychology or because I know you do a lot of work with Kate Kirby, who you've worked with since you were a kid. But is that kind of is that her influence? Is it you gaining perspective or is it a bit of both?
1: Yeah, I work with Kate loads. I don't know I think probably most of the time I'm just talking basically I don't know nothing even to do with sailing but (laughs) um, but yeah she's helped me loads over the years and uh, I managed to convince her to come out to Rio even though I think uh, probably her husband Ryan he got abandoned with the the two young kids (laughs) Kate was delighted. uh, I think whenever anyone asks Kate how her experience in Rio was, she's like, It was amazing. I got the best sleep in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And she got to
0: watch her prodigy winning a medal, which I'd imagine for somebody like that, because the support staff, a lot of times people they don't really get the accolades in the moment, but for her to be there to watch you winning the medal as well, I'd say, was incredibly special to her.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was really great to have to have her there, you know. And it was only kind of last minute that I managed to sort of convince her that she should come out, so it was sort of yeah, it made it really worthwhile. But um, it was I guess between her and then I did a lot of debriefs between London and Rio about sort of what I've learned and how I can move on from it, and a lot of things were like that. You know, not to fear the opportunity, not to f- not to fear losing, but to see the opportunity to win was kind of like my mantra between. London and Rio and it did actually uh, it is like a good way to be.
0: Well it worked yeah. you know Um, if you look at the two Olympic cycles between London and Rio and now Rio and Tokyo I mean they couldn't be more different because like that headspace that you're in after London when you've just missed out on a medal but you know so desperately that you can get it. Mm. Now you have the medal and there's only kind of one more thing in your sight in terms of the gold but you look at the experience that you've had in between between the Volvo Ocean Race going into the 49er It's such a different path that you've taken on these four
1: years. Yeah, Um, it's been very different. I've learned so much that I'm hoping that all my skills from doing the Volvo and the 49er are going to be able to be sort of transferable over to the Laser. And like, I always knew it was going to be really tough to do another four years full time the Laser between uh, Rio and Tokyo, because between London and Rio, I've spent most of 2015 wanting to quit I was (laughs) the only thing that the only reason I wasn't quitting was because I still had this I need to win a medal but I hated it (laughs) just because I had been in this like little intense bubble for so long and I just didn't you know didn't really want to be there anymore so I haven't I've been I guess really lucky that I haven't had to experience that at all in the last uh three years but um I'm hoping that yeah it was sort of my quick reactions from the 49er are gonna um help me in the laser if nothing else it's made me way better at tennis okay yeah because in the 49er you don't sit you stand so it's all running and i've spent the last year of my life doing like footwork drills and practicing just being really good on my feet and balancing then i was playing tennis the other day and i was really good again wow and well there you go well, There's when i your... say really good like not that good, but way better than I had been when I last played when I was 18.
0: Well, there's your next <laughs> sport when you uh, stop doing the laser. Where's your headspace at on the laser now? You know, are you feeling positive about it? Are you enjoying your racing? Do you do you feel kind of confident ahead of these trials?
1: Yeah, I'm um, I'm really enjoying it so far. It's really hard. Like physically, it's, it's brutal. And I think I obviously, when you do it for a really long time, you get used to that. But then when you haven't been doing it for a while, it's a bit of a shock. But um no, I'm really enjoying it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the trials because it's just an opportunity for me to perform well over three events. It's not um it's not really something that I think I need to be scared of. It's probably nice being a bit older and wiser with all these kinds of things as well. But yeah, I think it'll be a yeah, good challenge for me.
0: Do you allow yourself to look ahead? at what, you know, when you talk about visualisation and all that, do you think about Tokyo or are you very much focused on let's get there for us and qualify or do you kind of allow the mind to drift and go, look, I am actually a medal contender here, mm. you know, and, and I should look at myself that way.
1: Yeah, um, I think I do. I kind of daydream that. I'm just gonna go and win every single race at the Olympics and then I won't even have to have a stressful medal race because I'll be nineteen points at least nineteen points ahead. That's the if you're nineteen points ahead of second going into the medal race, you've won the you've won the gold medal no matter what. So that's uh that's my like ideal nice situation. Dream. That's uh that would be in whatever it is, two hundred and ninety six days, that would be uh, or it's probably more like three hundred and ten, I don't know. That would be a uh,
0: not that you're counting or anything Not like that. Not that I'm counting or anything. But that
1: would be, yeah, that would be a pretty nice uh, nice way to finish off the Olympics. But it's... Yeah, it's, it, it is having, like, you know, sailed for so many years. There's, like, self-belief is so important. And that's something that over the years when I've been confident and had self-belief, I've been very hard to beat and sailed really well. Well, when I've had low confidence and lost any self belief, then I've been doing pretty badly um but I couldn't see that at the time, and it's only now I'm able to see that it's that's what's something that's important if you know if you can see yourself doing well, you can definitely sort of get there and that was I think in Rio I was able to see myself being able to win a medal and that was how I ended up doing it
0: What about the field that you could potentially be facing in Tokyo are a lot of the girls who you were in that medal race with in Rio are they all still the ones um, who are going to be competing in Tokyo for a medal as well?
1: Yeah there's um the main girls that, uh, Marit who won gold medal and Anne-Marie who won bronze Anne-Marie's been sailing very well the last few years and then there's um there's basically a lot of the same girls, a few younger girls coming up through, and then a couple of the older girls retired as well. But it's not that different from what it was a few years ago.
0: Which you know yourself means that people look at the field and outsiders go, Well, there's the field, similar field, Annalise Murphy, nailed on medal contender, because the moment that people saw you had recommitted to the laser that was the narrative, and again, I mean, I know it's a shorter turnaround, but the pressure is going to come on again in an Irish sporting context mm. when the Olympics rolls around, when January 2020 hits, and everybody starts looking at their Olympic hopefuls. Um, your name is going to be up there, and is that going to be something that again, like you're going
1: to you're going to draw positivity from? Are you going to enjoy it? I kind of that was something that I had to decide when I chose to stop setting the 49er and go back into the laser was. In my mind, I was like, I have to accept that I'm going to have a whole different set of pressures on me that I was able to avoid sailing in a different boat, but it's also fine because if you have that pressure, it means that there's um, and if uh, if I accept that there is pressure there, it means that, you know, that I I believe that I do have a chance of doing well.
0: well I mean, you look at the the sports again for Tokyo that we have potential to meddle in. And again, you know, the rowers have had an incredibly Mm -hmm. strong year again. You know, on the water, it just seems like we have found it it seems like it's taken us forever as a country to recognize that these are the sports that we are potentially good at we're in we're an island but there has been the recognition in the last 4 years there has been funding there's a new high performance sailing center down in Dunleary. the rowers have been given more money it seems to me looking from the outside in that we have now recognized these are our genuine medal sports and this is where we need to be putting the money
1: yeah it's um rowing yeah they did incredibly this summer and it's i don't know I think there's gonna be like quite a few sports next year that are gonna have chances at medals that, you know, we probably haven't seen before. So I don't know, 2020 will be exciting, exciting for Irish It's great, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah.
0: because I think like even talking to some of the Irish Olympians, some of the younger ones coming through, there are sports there that people have, uh, I suppose, not been familiar with. And we've had a lot of top 10 finishes in Rio as well that were uh, extremely good performances from Mm -hmm. a team basis. So 2020 could actually bring a whole new horizon for for Irish athletes.
1: I think it's going to be great. And I think there's like a really good female boxing team in, there's extra categories now mm-hmm. for female boxing so there's like I think we're going to have a really good team in that and then um in, there's quite a lot of rowers that are Sunita's been basically unstoppable the last few years and um Tal uh, Natalia Coyle in Pentathlon she's uh, qualified already so there's um these are just you know sort of people that I know and I'm kind of friends with that are like doing unbelievably at the moment so I think there's going to be some seriously good performances by female Irish athletes Yeah, there's a
0: great wave, isn't there? Because like even you talk to them and you meet the likes of Kelly Harrington and obviously people can go to their own European and world championships and medal and there's a great recognition that comes with that. But there's something different about the Olympics. I mean, as somebody who's been in that category, you know, you've been a European champion and an Olympic medalist as well. What's the difference in those? How
1: different is an Olympic medal viewed in those circles? I think most people that are doing Olympic sport, they the other medals they do, you know, they keep you going over the years. But the reason you're doing the sport is to get to the Olympics and to try and win an Olympic medal. And that was like with me, you know, winning the European Championships in Ireland was it was great. I like had a like one of the best weeks of racing of my life. But it was nowhere near what it was like to win. Uh, because it was just, it It was a goal, but it wasn't, it wasn't the reason why, the reason why I sail a laser radial is to try and make it to the Olympic Games and win an Olympic medal. And that's why I'm sure people put themselves through the kind of training that they have to. It's, you know, world championships and European championships. They're really nice personal goals, but the reason you're in that sport in the first place is to get to the Olympics. And, that's um, that's kind of, I think, probably what's in the back of everyone's minds. Mm. Well, you're one of few
0: people in this land, in this world, who has one of those medals, you know? I mean, now is not the time to look back and be like, isn't it wonderful? Look at all these things that I've won. But there will come a moment when you realise just how rare it is and the career that you've had. I mean, I'm I'm sure you don't allow yourself to go there now, but like as you face into another Olympic Games, there must be, you must draw incredible inspiration from that to say, look, I am
1: one of these few people that has one of these things. Yeah, I think I also, I just, I guess I'm so lucky that I've had the opportunity to, first of all, get to the Olympics and then be in positions where I could win an Olympic medal because there's so many people that it's all they want to do and they never get that chance to to do that and I have and that's something that I kind of you know I realize I'm actually re- really lucky that I that I get that I've had these chances to win Olympic medals at two Olympics and hopefully I'll get a chance at the third Olympics
0: well Annalise we wish you well uh, delighted to see you back in the boat, and fingers crossed—it's another successful year ahead. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank you.